Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. As we continue our study in Paul's book to the Philippians, I want us to focus our attention on living a servant's life. Last Sunday we spoke on the subject of living the sacrificial life and what it means for a Christian to give his or her life completely to the Lord, to do as the Lord desires in that person's life. <clears throat> but sometimes we wonder, well, what is it I'm supposed to do? Uh, what exactly would the Lord have me to do? And so I want us to explore that question this morning and hopefully answer it for you uh, as the Holy Spirit ministers to us through the Word of the Lord. So I want you to turn in your Bibles again to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 19 through 23. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. <clears throat> Every Christian, every Christian needs to be a Paul, every Christian needs to be a Timothy, every Christian needs to be a Paul, every Christian needs to be a Timothy. Paul was a teacher and a mentor of younger Christians in the faith. He was one who taught them the Word of God. He taught them the practical knowledge of Jesus Christ, taking the Word of God, the truths of God's Word, and fleshing it out in your daily life. And he would train them also to become ministers and servants in God's kingdom. Every Christian needs to be a Paul, a mentor to someone else in the Christian faith. Timothy was a disciple of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul taught him the Word of God, and may I remind you that in the days of Paul the Apostle, and of Timothy, all they had, uh, scripturally speaking, was the Old Testament. But it was sufficient for that time. Paul spent his time teaching Timothy the truth of God's Word, the Old Testament, and how God revealed Himself and how God intervened in the lives of of people throughout the Old Testament, the principles and the truths of a disciplined life, a spiritual life, pleasing to the Lord God. He taught young Timothy, and Timothy learned from Paul what the Scriptures said. He also learned from the Apostle Paul the practical wisdom of God. Paul had been out in ministry for a little while and had learned some things. Uh, he was three years out in the desert learning from the Lord himself face to face with Christ, learning uh, the truths of God uh, throughout the Old Testament and how those Old Testament truths pertained to Christ how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law, how Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law, how Jesus fulfilled the civil law of the Hebrew people, how it all pointed to Jesus. He learned that as the Lord God interpreted those things to him out in the desert. And in turn, the Apostle Paul shared those things, taught those things to young Timothy. And he, as a faithful disciple of the Apostle Paul, learned not only the theology of the Old Testament, but also the practicality of the Old Testament 
in one's life. He was also trained. Trained to do ministry. Trained to serve the Lord as the Apostle Paul, his mentor, had served the Lord. Every Christian needs to be a Timothy, a faithful disciple of a spiritual mentor in his or her life. Now, the Apostle Paul was both. The Apostle Paul was a disciple, but he was also a mentor. He was a disciple of Ananias in Damascus. You'll recall in the book of Acts when the Apostle Paul, well at that time he was Saul of Tarsus, he was on his way to Damascus because he had heard that there were some Christians up in Damascus and he wanted to arrest them and he wanted to bring them down to Jerusalem to stand before the Sanhedrin and be condemned as heretics. And not only condemned to prison, condemned to torture for heresy, but oftentimes killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And interestingly enough, Saul of Tarsus presided over a number of those who gave their life for Christ. Notably Stephen, we have in the book of Acts. The apostle, well, Saul of Tarsus, it's kind of hard to keep, him, keep from calling him the apostle Paul, but at that time he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a member of the Pharisaic sect and he was being trained to take his place among the Sanhedrin, the high council of the Hebrew people. But he presided over the death of Stephen, held the coats of the individuals of those who threw stones as Stephen was being executed. But on the road to Damascus, the resurrected Lord appeared to Saul of Tarsus And at that moment, in his encounter with the resurrected Lord, he was saved. He went on to Damascus. The Lord said that there was a man in Damascus by the name of Ananias. I want you to go and I want you to meet with him. And then the Lord spoke to Ananias in Damascus and said, There is a man here in town that I want you to go and I want you to meet him. His name is Saul. And of course... Ananias said, now wait a minute, Lord, <laughs> you know, time out. Uh, I've heard about this guy, and he's not somebody I want to mess with. He's not a guy that, uh, that we should expose ourselves to because he has a reputation of being a hard nose when it comes to those who have departed from the Jewish faith and have embraced Christianity. The Lord said, you go and you meet with this man, and I want you to tell him the things that he will suffer in my service, Ananias went and met with Saul and prayed with Saul. And the blindness of Saul was cleared up. And he began a discipleship ministry under Ananias, was baptized by Ananias there in Damascus. In Acts chapter 9 verses 10 through 18 you find this account of Saul meeting with Ananias. After this, Paul became a disciple of Barnabas, son of consolation. And scripture tells us this Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 9 verse 27. Barnabas introduced him to the apostles in Jerusalem and they would have nothing to do with him. Because they thought this was a trick. They thought this was a cunning way in which Saul would gain their trust and would expose them and rat them out to the Pharisees. And they would be arrested as well and condemned and brought before the Sanhedrin and die like Jesus was. And so they didn't trust Saul. But he continued on with Barnabas. And Barnabas continued to disciple him in the Lord and to show him 
the many things that God would have him do in the name of Christ Jesus. And Paul became a very faithful disciple of Barnabas. They went together then to Antioch, where they ministered together for over a year, Acts chapter 10. Together they took resources down to the destitute Christians in Judea when the famine hit uh, in that region. And uh, they took the offering of the Antioch church and brought it to the apostles in Judea. In Acts chapter 13, they went on their first Christianary, Christian missionary journey together, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in Asia Minor and establishing churches everywhere they went. Paul became a very faithful, ardent disciple of Barnabas, learning from him the ways of the Lord as he had been taught himself, experiencing with his mentor ministry as they were reaching lost people for Christ, as they were discipling new Christians in the faith, as they were establishing churches throughout Asia Minor. Paul learned from Barnabas the wisdom of the Lord and the Scriptures. And through their experiences together, they became very, very familiar with the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives and through their lives as they went from town to town preaching and teaching the gospel. Every Christian needs someone like Ananias and like Barnabas. Doesn't matter how old you are in the faith. Doesn't matter how many years you are in life. Every Christian needs a more mature servant of the Lord Jesus Christ to disciple them as they continue on in their journey with the Lord. Someone to take them under their wing, mentor them, encourage them, work with them in learning the wisdom of the Lord in preaching and in teaching and in evangelism, ministering to them as they go out and serve the Lord in the communities where the Holy Spirit leads them. So the Apostle Paul was a disciple. But he was also a mentor. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, we have some insight as to the Apostle Paul's mentorship over young Timothy. Stand in honor of God's Word as we read these verses. Philippians 2, verses 14 through 18. The Apostle writes, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. This is the word of the Lord. We pray his blessing upon the reading of his word. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul had become a disciple of Ananias and then of Barnabas, learning from them the ways of the Lord and the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there came a time in his life when the role would be reversed and he would become a mentor to someone else, teaching them the word of the Lord, the wisdom of God, teaching them 
the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of his first notable disciples was a young man named Timothy. Timothy was a teenager when the Apostle Paul met him and called him to become his disciple. Paul encouraged this young man to think about his life in the Lord, his future in the Lord. Paul saw in this young man the potential of being a great servant of God, a fellow minister in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's love for Timothy is noted throughout the New Testament. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, he called Timothy a true son in the faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, he called him a beloved son. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul said that Timothy was my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. In Romans chapter 16 verse 21, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2, he called Timothy my fellow worker. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1, he called Timothy our brother in the Lord. And here in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, he called Timothy a bondservant of Jesus Christ. By the time the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church, Timothy had been Paul's constant companion, his constant and faithful disciple in ministry for over ten years. And he had proven himself to the Apostle Paul a worthy disciple, a worthy fellow minister, a worthy servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was with Paul in Corinth, Acts chapter 18, verse 5. He was sent to Macedonia to prepare the Greeks for Paul's visit. In Acts chapter 19, verse 22, he returned with Paul to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 20, and verse 4, he worked with Paul in writing the letters to the Romans, to the Corinthians, to the Philippians, to the Colossians, to the Thessalonians, and to Philemon. He assisted Paul in quelling major issues in the churches at Corinth and Thessalonica, Ephesus, and at Philippi. He was a true disciple of the Apostle Paul, who was a true mentor to young Timothy. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Verses 3 through 5. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Paul loved Timothy as a father should love his son, as a teacher should love his students. Paul met Timothy in Lustra, the province of Galatia, which is now modern Turkey. Timothy's mother, Eunuche, was a Jewess, but his father was a Greek. Timothy learned the Old Testament scriptures under the teaching of his mother, and his grandmother, Lois. Both of them were Christians, had become Christians under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. While his mother and grandmother had great influence over Timothy spiritually, his father had great influence over Timothy culturally. Timothy became a disciple. When the Apostle Paul visited Lustra, 
on his first missionary journey, Acts chapter 14, verses 6 through 23. Timothy's spiritual maturity, even as a teenager, Timothy's spiritual maturity, along with his Jewish and Greek heritage, made him uniquely qualified to minister with the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles throughout Asia Minor. When Paul was in the Roman prison, writing this letter to the Philippian church, Timothy was with him. But Timothy wasn't in the prison. Timothy had not been arrested. He was a free man. But he continued to minister to the Apostle Paul who was in prison. And he also ministered to the Christian church that was there in Rome. And so he used his time and his energy and his effort to not only minister to the Christian church as a representative of the Apostle Paul, but also ministering to Paul as he was in prison for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Later, after separating from Paul, Timothy became the pastor of the Christian church in Ephesus. He was with the Apostle Paul when Paul was martyred in AD 67. And he continued to pastor the church until his martyrdom in A.D. 97. So Paul and Timothy had a wonderful, effective, fruitful, powerful ministry together. Now, Timothy wasn't the only disciple that the Apostle Paul had. He had numerous other disciples, but... They didn't travel along with the Apostle Paul like Timothy did, like Dr. Luke did, like Titus did from time to time. But Timothy was far and away the more active in ministering not only the gospel as they went about evangelizing lost people, but also discipling Christians in the faith and building up the churches throughout Asia Minor. And because he had spent such a lengthy period of time with the Apostle Paul and was involved in everything that the Apostle Paul was involved in, he became a dearly beloved son in the faith. Paul rejoiced in the ministry of Timothy. And here in the book of Philippians, he rejoiced in being able to send to the Philippian church Timothy as his emissary. Now there are a few reasons why that the Apostle Paul rejoiced in Timothy as his beloved son in the faith and fellow servant. And I want to point out three of those reasons why Paul rejoiced in this young man. First of all, Paul rejoiced because Timothy, like Paul himself, understood that the Christian life is a servant life. Understand this. Timothy understood, as Paul understood, that the Christian life is a servant life. Now understand, friends, if you're a Christian here this morning, you're saved for a reason. You're not saved just to go to heaven. That's one of the rewards that you'll receive. God has left you here after your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved and to know Him as your Lord and Savior, He has left you here for a reason. And that reason is, first of all, to worship Him who loved you and gave His life for you. And the second reason is that you will serve the Lord Jesus Christ till He comes again. Christian service is not just for pastors. Christian service is not just for evangelists or missionaries. Christian service is not just for Bible teachers. Christian service is for every Christian, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ 
is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't really understand that. We have the tendency of thinking that we are called to occupy a space someplace in a church. We are to occupy a place someplace in a Bible study group. Or we're to, you know, be a, a good Christian person in our home or at school or in our vocation or wherever. But you are called to much more than just being a Christian. You are called to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul knew that, understood that, and he instilled that mindset within Timothy. And this was one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul rejoiced in young Timothy because he grasped the idea that a Christian life is a servant life. Look at verse 20. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for your condition. Paul said, I'm, Tim I'm sending Timothy to you because Timothy is a faithful servant of the Lord God and he will serve you when he comes to you throughout their association. The Apostle Paul and Timothy served the Lord selflessly, faithfully, joyfully. The Apostle Paul wasn't the only one who had difficulty in ministry. Anyone who was with the Apostle Paul faced those same difficulties. And even though in Philippi the Apostle Paul was in jail and Timothy was not in jail, he still suffered the same kinds of oppression and, and obstacles that the Apostle Paul faced. He was subject to the same conditions and the same responses of non-Christian people to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as a servant of the Lord, Timothy was dependable. Paul could trust Timothy to fulfill whatever Paul asked him to do. And there is another reason why the Apostle Paul rejoiced in Timothy. Timothy understood that Paul was his mentor. And whatever the Apostle Paul requested Timothy to do, Timothy did it. Whatever the Apostle Paul said, wherever the Apostle Paul wanted him to go, whatever involvement in the church that he wanted Timothy to be involved in, if, he, if Paul told him to go out and to witness to a group of people down by the river, if Paul told him to go and to disciple these young men and women over here in the marketplace, Timothy did exactly what the Apostle Paul told him to do. He was a faithful, dependable servant of the Lord Jesus Christ as a disciple of the Apostle Paul. He did not pair up with Paul to make a name for himself, but together they worked to exalt the name of Jesus Christ wherever they were, whatever they were involved in. Paul wrote in verse 21, For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. This was Paul's assessment of a number of so-called ministers that he had met along the way. And even in prison, as we read earlier in chapter 1, what was it, 20 years ago? That was a joke. <laughs> Several months ago when we were in chapter 1, there were ministers outside Paul's prison chiding him, criticizing him, condemning him. What kind of Christian minister are you that you would spend your time in a prison? I'm sure the Apostle Paul was thinking in his mind, what kind of Christian minister are you that you wouldn't spend any time in prison? Paul assessed that there were a number of individuals who called themselves ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ who were not worthy of the calling, not worthy of the title. All seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But that wasn't his assessment of Timothy. 
Timothy didn't seek his own. Which means he wasn't busy doing what he wanted to do, whenever he wanted to do it, wherever he wanted to do it. His concern was with the gospel of Jesus Christ. His concern was with the church at Rome. His concern with his mentor, the Apostle Paul. It may have been that the Apostle Paul had requested some ministers to go and visit the church at Philippi or some of the other churches in the surrounding area, but they had declined because of the distance or the danger or because they were comfortable where they were at doing what they were doing. Later on, when the Apostle Paul stood before the Roman emperor to give his account of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all who were with him in Rome fled from him. They wouldn't stand in support of the Apostle Paul as he stood before the emperor, 2 Timothy 4.16. It's also likely that the same disregard for his wishes and his welfare became known among the Christians in Rome, and they refused to go and support him. They refused to go and encourage him. They refused to go and minister to him. But not Timothy. Not Timothy. Timothy did exactly what the Apostle Paul requested him to do. He wasn't idly standing by talking theology or philosophy or politics with the locals. He was ministering in the church at Rome. He was ministering to Paul at the prison. Paul rejoiced in Timothy because Timothy understood that the Christian life is a servant life. Second, Paul rejoiced because Timothy had garnered a reputation of faithfulness to the Lord and to fellow Christians. Timothy had garnered a faithful reputation. Paul wrote in verse 22, look at it if you will please, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. The words proven character speaks of Timothy's faithfulness, the evidence of his faithfulness in serving Paul, in serving the churches, and ultimately in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. How faithfully Timothy had devoted himself to the ministry of the gospel. How faithfully Timothy had devoted himself to discipling new Christians in the faith. How faithfully Timothy had devoted himself to building up the churches where he and Paul and others would go and minister. How faithfully Timothy ministered to the Apostle Paul and to other individuals in their entourage as they went around in Asia Minor serving the Lord Jesus Christ evangelizing, preaching, teaching, discipling people in the faith. Paul delighted that Timothy had become a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it that Jesus Christ has commissioned us to do? How are we to spend our time here between the cross and the gates of heaven? What has the Lord Jesus Christ called us to do? In Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. It's the great commission. You know it. Say it with me. Go ye therefore and Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what we've been commissioned to do. This was not just the commission given to the first century disciples. This was not just the commission given to the apostles. It was the commission given to every individual who names the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There are four things that he tells us here 
in this great commission that we are to be about. First of all, we are to make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. We are to win people to faith in Jesus Christ. We are to encourage the lost to be saved. Not everyone you witness to is going to embrace the gospel. There will be people who will laugh at you. There are people who will say no thanks. There will be people who will shut the door in your face. But God has called us through Christ Jesus and by the power of His Holy Spirit to be a witness to the lost. We are to engage our lives, our resources to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ as Paul did, as Timothy did, as many others have done as well. We are to make disciples. Second, we are to mark disciples. We are to baptize them. We are to help them identify with the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're to help them identify with the local Christian church by assimilating them into the family of Christ. Third, we are to mature disciples, teaching them all that he has taught us. This is what the Apostle Paul did with Timothy. All that the Lord God revealed to Paul, he poured into the life of Timothy. All that he experienced and learned through his experience, he shared with those who became his disciples. We are to make disciples. We are to walk with brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we're to share our life experiences in Christ with them as they share their life experiences in Christ with us. We're to make disciples. But there is one other thing that we're to do that we often forget. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is a very important ministry that we're called to do. It's the ministry of encouragement. It's the ministry of encouragement. We're to teach them and prove to them that the Lord is with us at all times. You know, sometimes we forget that, don't we? Nod your head, yes, because you do. Sometimes when things aren't going our way, sometimes when the road is hard, to walk sometimes when resistance is very difficult against us because we're Christian people sometimes when we're under the fires of trials or of testing sometimes when Satan is beating at our door we forget we panic we get depressed we get frustrated woe is me why is this happening to me why must I suffer this The Christian life is supposed to be a wonderful life, a joyful life, a bed of roses. My mother used to say to me, uh, Christianity uh, may be a bed of roses, but watch out for the thorns. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget the thorns. Doesn't Scripture tell us, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Didn't Jesus say, I will be with you always, even till the end of the age? Doesn't, doesn't, didn't the Apostle Paul say that there is nothing in heaven on earth, beneath the earth, past, present, or future, that can ever separate us from the love of God? We are to minister to hurting brothers and sisters. We're to minister to those who are under trial. We're to minister to those who are facing difficult temptations. We're to minister to those who are suffering loss and to remind them that Jesus Christ is with us. Lo, where there are two or more gathered together in my name. What? There am I in the midst of them. The Lord is with us. The Lord has not forsaken us. And he's promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. We do what we do as Christian people. We commit to these things personally as Christians and corporately as a church, not to make a name for ourselves or for our denomination, but to lift up the name of Jesus in order to make His name known. Because Jesus said, and I, if I am lifted up, what? I will draw all men unto myself. 
lifting up the name of Jesus so that people can see Christ in you and be drawn to him. Let your light shine, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, so they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. That is our calling. That is what we are to do. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ, ministering to others, ministering to the lost, ministering to the churches, ministering to the saved. That's what we're called to do. Jesus told the parable of the faithful steward in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 23. I want you to look at that. So let's turn back to Matthew. You have your Bible opened at Philippians. Turn left and go back to Matthew. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like, so this is a simile. The kingdom of heaven is similar to, it's like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on his journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five talents, and likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Doesn't this sound exactly like <laughs> what the Christian life really is all about? Our Lord has been resurrected and ascended and is waiting for the time when God the Father says, you can go and receive your people and what are we to do here? We're to take the talents, we're to take the resources that he's given to us and we're to serve him by investing those talents into the lives of other people because there is coming a day of accountability. There is coming a day when we will answer to the Lord for our accountability. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He said the same thing to the one who had received the two talents. Do you long to have such a reputation with Jesus? Like the Apostle Paul, or like Timothy had with the Apostle Paul, a faithful servant, a faithful disciple, a faithful worker, for Jesus Christ? Don't you long to have that same kind of reputation with the Lord Jesus Christ that when you cross the threshold of the pearled gates of heaven, Jesus would meet you with arms stretched out wide saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't care if I have a mansion on the hilltop. I don't care if I have a shack by the crystal flowing river of heaven. I don't care if I have a seat by the angelic choir as they sing. I don't care if I'm made a guardian of the pearled gates. I just want to hear my Lord say as I cross the bar, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Well done in order to have a faithful reputation with the Lord, we must also have a faithful reputation with the Lord's people. Not only in the church, but outside the church and in the community. Third and finally, look at verse 19. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. The Apostle Paul Rejoiced because Timothy was an encouragement to him and to the church. 
But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged, that I may be encouraged when I know your state, your situation, your circumstances. Paul was encouraged by Timothy. This is a wonderful statement. You might very well say, how could Timothy be an encouragement to the Apostle Paul? Paul knew so much more than Timothy knew. Paul had a relationship with Jesus Christ that was greater than Timothy's simply because of his age and his experiences. What could Timothy do for the Apostle Paul that Paul couldn't do for himself? And yet the Apostle Paul says, Timothy is an encouragement to me. Timothy is an encouragement to me. The word encourage, it means to be in good spirits. It means to be of good comfort. It may very well be that Timothy could not teach the Apostle Paul anything, but that's not what the Apostle Paul delighted in. That was not his joy in Timothy. He rejoiced in the fact that Timothy wasn't a thorn in his side. He rejoiced in the fact that Timothy wasn't a burr under his saddle. By doing what he was instructed to do and doing it to the best of his ability, Timothy was a godsend to the Apostle Paul, not a hindrance. On the first missionary journey, Paul took with Barnabas, Barnabas's nephew, Mark, John Mark. But during the journey, John Mark left the group and went back home. Maybe the work was too difficult. Maybe the journey was too tough. Or maybe he realized he wasn't up to the task. Whatever the situation may have been, John Mark turned away from the missionary journey from Paul and from Barnabas and went back home. It angered Paul. From that point on, until much, much later in his life, the Apostle Paul didn't trust John Mark. He was so angry at John Mark that he and Barnabas separated after the missionary journey ended because Barnabas wanted to give John Mark a second chance. Paul said, ain't no way. No way we're going to take that guy with us. He's already proven himself to be unfaithful. John Mark was not an encouragement to Paul. Neither was Demas. Neither were Hymenaeus and Alexander. But Timothy was an encouragement to Paul. And so was Dr. Luke. So now, what are we to make of this? What's the bottom line? What are we to draw from these words of the Apostle Paul and from the relationship that he had with Young Timothy. Christians are to live a sacrificial life. We talked about that last Sunday. Christians are to live a servant life. We are to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to serve the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to serve one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. After washing the feet of the disciples in the upper room on the last Passover. After washing their feet, Jesus said, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? It is not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you as one who serves. John, excuse me, Luke chapter 22. We are Christians called, equipped, and gifted by the Holy Spirit of God to serve Jesus Christ 
until he comes again. May we so honor our Lord by humbly serving him and serving one another until he comes again. Amen and amen. Stand with me as David comes and leads us in a song to dismiss. Praise God from blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise all the song. There may be somebody standing near you that you do not know. I would pray you'd take the opportunity to introduce yourself and to make that individual uh, feel welcomed among us. Uh, let's not leave the house of the Lord uh, with everybody being a stranger to us. Let us go rejoicing in knowing that we serve a risen Savior and that service is extended to everyone that we meet. Father, as we leave the house, may we go rejoicing as the Apostle Paul rejoiced in learning from your word what we as Christians are to be about. And Father, encourage us as we go and reminding us that your Holy Spirit goes with us to open doors for us, to give us boldness and courage to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost in this community to disciple those who've come to faith in Jesus Christ, to minister to one another in the fellowship of the church and beyond, and to serve you until you come for us. All of these things I ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you and have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.